0: Welcome back to the Views from the Wings podcast. Uh, If you don't know, I'm Nishanaran and I'm here with my co-host Aaron Palacios. And you know, we had the draft last last uh, last week, Thursday through Saturday. And you know, the Eagles they had an interesting draft. You know, first round they ended up selecting Devontae Smith. They traded up with the Cowboys to steal him away from the Giants. And then, you know, the second round pick was a very it was, you know, a lot of people were confused by it by taking Landon Dickerson, offensive lineman, out of Alabama. And, you know, I kind of I understand the pick because it could be a – they might be looking in towards the future because we don't know what's going to happen with Jason Kelsey and his, uh, in his uh, situation with the Eagles. So, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting pick. Well, what's your take on it?
1: Um, well, so when they, when they first took Dickerson, um, I kind of was like, my knee jerk reaction was like another, another injured guy. Like, yeah, it just seems like that's the MO a lot of times is to take chances on these, uh, players that have these injury concerns, but, uh, whenever they're healthy, they, they play great. So that was my initial reaction was kind of just to be a little, little pissed about that. But yeah, I mean, looking at, looking at the tape and looking at where he's evaluated, um, When he is healthy, with that qualifier, of course, Um, he was probably going to go in the first round. Had he had he not had these injury concerns, he likely goes somewhere, you know, in in round one. Um, Because this tape, I mean, he's he's just a monster on the field, and I think he gets a little overrated and a little overhyped. Like Baldinger, I think uh, compared him to Quentin Nelson, that he's the best prospect since Quentin Nelson. I think it's a little far. Um, I think Baldinger kind of embellishes too. I think he knows. I I think he likes to get you know throw out those big, crazy comparisons. And, uh, I don't know. I just, to me, the pick, it makes some sense. Whenever you do need that, that offensive line depth, you do need a little bit of help there. And Jason Kelsey's, you know, future is in question. And even, and even at Saint model, he's not the greatest, you know, guy you can have there. So I think that Dickerson could actually play, play, play year one. So for me, that pick, I do understand it. Um, it's just, um, it's, it's a little bit of a uh, probably wait and see pick more than it is uh, get on the field now like Devonta Smith.
0: Yeah, and I I totally understand people's like you know, the frustration with the pick and everything. Like Howie he did so he did amazingly well with uh with the first round pick, getting Devonta, and then he kind of, you know, he he went back to the old oh, Howie, what the hell are you doing? Like what what kind of pick was that? And you know, yeah i just think they're looking towards the future and stuff like i have no problem with that i just think is he gonna be a day one guy is he gonna start day one or are we are we gonna have to wait like another year to see what kind of player he is and you no know, there's a lot of um there's a lot of interesting picks on the draft the third round pick was milton williams it, it just looking at his uh stats he was a. Uh, he's like a he's an athletic freak and i think the eagles went with i don't think they reached for any position they just won bpa best player available and you know a lot of us we've been screaming for that just take the bpa don't go for the reach and you know how he how he did that to t and then i think on day three he went with uh zach mcpherson cornerback out of texas tech and you know Eagles, they really need a quarterback cornerback badly, and I just think that's also another like it's it's another sneaky good pick, and I I don't know if he's going to start day one, but I'm I'm pretty sure the Eagles are probably going to go get somebody either via trade or in free agency because there's a lot of free agency at, free agency cornerbacks out there.
1: Yeah. Um, so when you, when you look at the free agents, there, are, there are some, some guys there and probably can get cheap. Um, like even, um, Casey Hayward, he signed for like, I think four mil. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you know, there's also the, the possibility of a trade. Um, you know, the Patriots have a couple corners, I believe that they're, they're shopping. So you, if you can end up with JC Jackson or, or even Stefan Gilmore somehow, and I know Gilmore's a little bit older, but depending on the price, you know, you have him for a couple of years, you know, you never know. He could, he could, uh, you Could at least solidify that for a year or two while while you work McPherson in and try to string him along because I I don't know how the the history for starting outside quarterbacks past round one or even round two not that great I'm I'm sure at least year one Um, as you go down the line though obviously there's some great guys cornerbacks that have picked past that so I'm not saying you know McPherson can't be great down the line I just think year one expecting him to contribute a ton is probably a little a little too optimistic but um. I think when you look at this draft and it's like a lot gets said about like who's contributing year one, like, you know, you guys could have, you know, we could have taken this cornerback instead or, or taken someone else that that would be able to contribute year one more quickly. And I I understand that logic, but at the same time, if you were trying to like rely on rookies to contribute and be day one guys all throughout your roster, usually when that happens, that means you've got some like deficiencies on your roster. So it's not, it's not like you see rookies come in, start day one, that are picked round three all the time. And if it happens, it usually means because you really, really pour out of position. And it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that that rookie is great. It just means you don't really have any other better options. Because ideally, most coaches don't want to start rookies. And, yeah. they, you know, if you look at New England they always redshirt their rookies. I mean, they almost never have a rookie. And I know they are they don't draft that well, but even when they do pick great players, most of the time they, they don't do a ton in, you know, in the first year. So I think teams, whenever you look at like teams that are run like the Patriots or run like that well, they don't like to rely on rookies a lot. And I think with Devonta Smith, he will be a guy that you can rely on year one. And it's not necessarily because you have to rely on him. And yeah, the Eagles receivers aren't that great, but I think Smith is able to be good enough to where he would start over most players on a lot of teams. So that is, that's where I'm like kind of looking at, well, at least we're going to have Devonta Smith year one. And I know he's going to be able to compete and at least, at least be uh, competitive and and not like a, a, just disappear for, you know, long stretches. I think, I think Devonta Smith year one is going to, you know, be probably r- close to rookie of the year, depending on quarterback play. If he gets any sort of good quarterback, I play, I don't see a reason why Smith can't be his name be up there, but um, yeah, McPherson, Milton in round th- uh, three and four, I think were pretty solid picks. They, they, they needed, they obviously needed a quarterback or cornerback. Yeah. tackle. Who knows if they needed that one necessarily right now or not, but um, obviously the Eagles like building in the trenches. So it was a uh, kind of an, ob- not an obvious pick, but um, not surprising pick.
0: And then uh, moving on to day three, you had them selecting kenneth gainwell in the fifth round and that was a really like that was actually a really really good pick because mm-hmm. you know they needed a running back i don't think you can count on boston scott and jordan howard you could probably count on boston scott against the, against the giants but that's probably it. he never really gives you any production out of those two games and then going to the sixth round they had three six round picks the first one was Marlon Tui Peloto, defensive tackle out of USC, and you know Howie, he said, I think he was it was either at the end of his draft press conference, he said, the Eagles will always continue to as long as he he's there, they're gonna continue to build the defensive tackle throughout the draft, and that's how they won a Super Bowl. They got defensive tackles out of there, defensive ends mainly, and Derek Barnett. So, and then they moved on to with the their second pick in the sixth round they got Teron jackson defensive end out of coastal carolina so they're you know the eagles they're building on on that philosophy building through the trenches and i'm kind of surprised they only went with one offensive offensive lineman in the whole draft they usually either go through two or three they only did with one so i think they're kind of they're banging on the fact that the offensive lineman is going to be healthy again and i just it's kind of, I don't think you can count on that because with Brandon Brooks and his injury history and then Lane Johnson mm-hmm. and then Andre Dillard. So it's very, there, there's going to be a ton of risk there. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. um, And uh, especially with Landon Dickerson, your main guy off the bench is he's a, got injury issues of his own. So um <laughs> it is you know we could be looking at this you know week 10 and we're once again we're decimated with injuries and and Dickerson goes down too and then we could be looking at Howie saying what the fuck did you do <laughs> but you know in in uh in May everything every everyone's healthy in May so um it, it looks like a great pick right now and it looks like their, their offensive line could be great and if they are healthy their offensive line is great on paper I mean Jason Kelsey Brandon Brooks Lane Johnson, when healthy, are all top five, if not top three at the position, every single one of them. So if if you can figure out left tackle, left guard, you've got a great offensive line. But again, like you said, Brooks has had obviously extreme issues staying healthy, and, and Lane Johnson's had his own issues recently. And Jason Kelsey's getting up there in age. So he's uh, he's been a guy who's played through a ton of injuries, and, and who knows when one of those injuries is finally going to sideline him. And it's actually pretty crazy that he hasn't really – then had to miss any games despite the fact he's been so banged up. But um, I do, I do like the defensive tackle pick there. He kind of reminds me of the Bo Allen type of, of defensive tackle they want in their system. I think they really like, I think Jim Schwartz especially really liked him, but I think the, the the team really liked Bo Allen's presence there too. Just the kind of uh, physicality he brought in um, really obviously hitting the edges hard with uh, Teron Jackson. And then even Patrick Johnson, he's listed as a linebacker, um, mm-hmm seven pick there the the last pick of the draft and he's listed as a linebacker but he's he's an edge rusher type of guy and
0: he's a he's a tweener both him mm -hmm. and kobe stevens are tweeners so
1: yeah and again the eagles love that type of that type of player and even with the new defensive coordinator you're seeing them still kind of stick to that linebacker safety hybrid and um you know tweener edge rusher linebacker hybrid which they've already got with jernard avery so um Kenneth Gainwell, I, I will touch on, is one of my favorite players in the draft, man. he, I comped him kind of to a um, Naeem Hines, um, Tariq Cohen type player. He's not, he, I don't think he's quite as probably fast as either of those two guys because both those guys have got pretty good top-end speed. But as far as their shiftiness and how they're going to be used, um, and I think that Kenneth Gainwell can kind of be the Naeem Hines of, uh, of the Eagles where um, Sirianni used him a lot last year and lined him up in the slot a lot just like Tariq Cohen was used. And a lot of the same philosophies, I think that you see from um, you know the, what the Bears did with their running backs. I think you're going to see with the Eagles because of that kind of Andy Reid connection, where Frank Reich is kind of connected, where you know to that Reid tree as well with um, with Peterson. So I think you're going to see some similar concepts there, um, like what you've seen already in those teams. But um, I do like I do like game Law and obviously Carry on Johnson. We talked about before um, we just started recording, and just uh, signed with us, so he's yeah. going to add another body in there another receiving type back but um uh, so i thought it was a pretty solid siding as well
0: yeah and this this entire draft was very you know it was very methodical they didn't really try to sure they could have gotten maybe another cornerback or another um wide receiver but i think they're they i think getting a guy like Devontae smith will really help the Will really help the um the the receiving room because he's he's an alpha and I don't think any of any of those guys are alphas and so he'll be able to you know help them even though he's a rookie he was, he still has that leader ability that that we've seen when he was playing with Alabama so for mm-hmm. draft grades I'm gonna give this draft I'm gonna give it a B I'm not gonna like be a homer and give it like an A or a B plus but. I think B is good. We still, we're probably gonna. It's probably gonna be maybe between two and three years since we see everybody, everybody's potential. So I'm gonna just wait and see on what's gonna happen.
1: Um, as far as a grade, and I usually hate draft grades like this early, just cause it's like you never know. But I'm just gonna. i I'll just say, and hey, fuck it, cause I think Devonta Smith,
0: <laughs> yeah, <I> just Devonta <laughs>
1: Smith right out of the back. I'll just, I'll just yeah. be a homer. Bonta Smith, because I think that's just them taking him, it's such a non-Eagles pick to go trade up from twelve to ten and say fuck the Giants with the Cowboys and just and yeah. just like that. That's just something the Eagles. I feel like they don't really do that. They don't take,
0: you, you know, they don't
1: give the people what they want. And everyone wanted Devonta Smith. I think that at least everyone that knew that we they were kind of going going forward with Jalen Hurts. No, I don't know about you, but when they traded up, I was thinking, holy shit, are they? Yeah, getting- I
0: thought they were going to take Justin Fields. I <laughs> I think I texted you. They're either gonna take Fields yeah. or Smith. Like,
1: yeah, I and think I was happy. I'm fine with either. I think both picks are are perfect. I love both of them. They're both outstanding picks, and I I don't think Smith is. You know, I don't think just because you wanted Fields means you don't you can't want Smith also. So.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, you had the draft, that happened. Then you had a a a list of all these really good players that became undrafted free agents. And you know the Eagles, they got um, they're able to get Jamie Newman, who's a quarterback out of Wake Forest, and you know the Eagles they didn't have a third, they didn't get a third stringer in the draft, so he's most likely gonna be the third string behind Hurts and, and um, in uh Joe Flacco. I don't know. I was looking at his highlight tapes, and he's he's a, he's an interesting prospect, like. Mm-hmm. He transferred to Georgia, but he didn't play. He opted out because of COVID. So you kind of, yeah, he's most likely gonna be the third third quarterback. And then you have Trevon Grimes out of Florida. He was, he was with um Brian Johnson, who is now the Eagles' quarterbacks coach. And you know he was a sneaky good weapon in the Florida Gators' offense with Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts. So I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna make the roster. I know that's very early to say, but just looking at his highlight team, man, he's just, he's a long, he's a long receiver and a fast as well. So, and he also in the in the SEC championship game against Patrick Sertan, he just ran right past him. So mm-hmm. he'll probably be maybe like wide receiver five or six. So. Yeah,
1: both those guys and it seems like the Eagles are actually pretty good at getting UDFAs in here. Um, Just a couple years ago, Josh Adams, they were able to get. um, Corey
0: Clement. Yeah, obviously Corey Clement. a part in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah.
1: So they're able to find – it seems like at least one guy every year or two. That that is a pretty solid one. Um, Grimes Grimes has got definitely a lot of skill. I don't know why he went undrafted. Just looking at the tape, it's like
0: it was mostly because it was a COVID year, and you scouts weren't able to go to the game, so they weren't they weren't able to see in person. So I think that's a why a lot of like solid, talented guys fall all the way like to the sixth or seventh round, and even becoming a mm-hmm. un- un- drafted free agents. So,
1: sure, yeah, and there was a couple of those guys that kind of fell to the seventh round, where normally would have went probably fifth or sixth. So yeah, he's probably a guy who just kind of fell through the cracks. Maybe would a sixth sixth round pick a year uh, year ago, so. I think his chances of making the roster is probably better than most UDFA's, just because the wide receiver position, wide receiver position, is so up in the air. And the only guy that you know that's Nick Sirianni guy right now is Devonta Smith. Everyone else, you know, are, are pulled over from the last regime. So, I think uh, if he's able to come out and just be outstanding in camp, and who knows what the camps are really going to look like this early on? we seeing the voluntary ones getting opted out, which is a whole other, you know conversation but um I don't I don't I don't know um how much they'll be able to really see it and be able to crack a roster spot being a UDFA um but you know it the the opportunity is there because there's not there's not a lot of talent on this receiving court um outside Devonta Smith and you know Jalen Raker's got some talent too but um Jamie Newman could probably take that third spot I think he's going to be a practice squad guy I don't see him ever being active whatsoever probably just that guy that um your kind of your emergency quarterback if you need him um something crazy happens but i could see him definitely um making practice squad and the same thing for um grimes the only thing is i i don't know how long grimes would stay on a practice squad i feel like once he gets some preseason tape out there if he plays well i if he plays well in the preseason it's gonna to be tough to keep him on your you know your practice squad so that's i think it. he's go ahead
0: i think that it's i think mean, he's better than he's better than jay jaw he's Mm. better than greg ward yeah well if he's better than i think he's better than quez watkins i don't know if he's better than i don't know if he's better than um john hightower so let's just let's just take a look at the wide receivers that we have Yeah. so we have smith we have rager we have fulgum then we'll have hightower and um Grimes. That's how I think the wide receiver room is going to play out. They might. I think they'll end up keep keeping, Quez Watkins because we saw what he did in that Arizona game where he took the screen to the to the house for a touchdown, and we were able mm-hmm. to see his speed. So I think, I think they're going to keep six receivers. I think they'll keep Smith, Rager, Fulgham, Hightower, Grimes, and Watkins. Smith, Rager, Fulgham.
1: See, to me it's it's so tough i think they'll, they'll probably carry six also um yeah i don't i don't seem carrying any more less than that smith and rager are your obvious locks um outside that it, it's it's tough man and, and greg ward was relied on so much i don't know how much the the this coaching staff is gonna value what he brings to the table because he's so vanilla just as a receiver you know he's just like he's not overly fast i mean he's got solid hands he's not a great route runner but it's just like I think war probably I think he might not make the team and um out of Hightower and Quez yeah that's tough I, I think Jjaw honestly I think Jjaw might make the team
0: uh, <laughs> that's a very unpopular I, take
1: I know it's I, I, understand I
0: hate what it what I understand what you're sorry for interrupting but no, I totally understand what you're saying because Nick Sirianni he's He's been a wide receiver coach so long. He got the best out of – he was able to get the, the best out of Keenan Allen and mm-hmm. Tyrell Williams when he was in the San Diego in L.A. So I kind of understand where you're coming from in that aspect.
1: Yeah, I just – I think they might keep him one more year. And just – especially because that – where he was picked at too. I mean, it would have shocked me if, if he was cut. I mean, he's definitely at the, you know, the very bottom. Top three, obviously – Rager, Smith, Fulgham. I think those three guys are definitely going to make the team. Ward's out. Hightower's probably in, so that's four. Whiteside's five. So that's a toss-up between Quez and Grimes. And I think Grimes might win. I think he might win that battle. So I I would go Grimes as my last guy there as well.
0: Yeah, it's – no, we've never had – when was the last time we had, like, a very – you know – a solidified wide receiver room where it's not like every year you're wondering mm-hmm. who's going to be wide receiver one I think I think you have to go all the way back to like 2010 when you had Jerry Jeremy Macklin and Jason Ivon and uh, Deshaun Jackson that's that's how long it's been since we've had like our top three guys has been like you know solidified
1: yep yep and Fulgham, Fulgham is man. The sky's the limit with him, and I, I was kind of hard on him at the, at the end of the season last year because I, th- I think a lot of people were freaking out why he got benched. And I'm like, man, if you, it's like people forgot about you know his last two games. It's like you know ver- like versus the the Browns had eight targets and no catches. Or I'm sorry, eight targets. And I think he had like one or two catches. So it's like he was getting the ball, and that was back to back games of eight targets. By the way he just, he was getting the ball thrown to him. He just wasn't doing anything with it. And I I understand why they threw Alshon back in there. And that kind of turned me off with, with the Fulgham, just because I thought, man, was it just a flash in the, you know, flash in the pan. But that said, he does have the skill set I think to be the X and he's really the only one. I think that can be the X. I don't, I don't know if Rager or Fulgham, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know if Rager or Smith can play the X and, uh, I don't think it's a bad thing if, if you kind of alternate Rager and Smith from the Z in the in the slot spot. I feel like those two guys are probably going to be your, your slot and your Z. And, you know, whoever depends on who's on the field or who's taking a snap off, someone else could come in and you could have John Hightower or even Quez or, or even even Trayvon, which I think Trayvon probably projects more as a prototypical X receiver. Yeah. So uh, that's why um, I think – another reason why I think J.Jaw – has a good shot to make the team it is because he fits that, that X receiver mold more than I think he, probably anyone I think even more than, I don't know. Fulgham, I'll, I'll say Fulgham probably fits it a little, a little bit better, but J. Jaw was drafted to be that X receiver and who knows how much that draft stock's going to play a part too.
0: Yeah. And going back to Fulgham, I think there's some reports out last year that his practice, mm-hmm. his practice habits were, were bad. And, that's and he was,
1: a, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but, um, some, some full, uh, so Kiston Solak during that time. And I'm not a huge, you know, I don't have all 22, so I don't, I'm not a huge film nerd, but yeah, guys were breaking down how Fulgham was actually kind of in the wrong spot, a lot of times it wasn't really running the right route or, you know, even whenever the ball wasn't supposed to be going to him, he kind of was being lazy with it. So I think that, that probably played a, a factor too.
0: And also the coaching, you don't know how, we don't know what that his coaching was like like mm-hmm. we'll probably we'll see clips from like from practice but the Eagles for account they'll probably just post like maybe like a, a slant or an out, in or out route so we're not like yeah. seeing everything and yeah. I just have I just think having Sardiani here being the guy who calls the plays he'll be able to take what he's been as a wide receiver coach and apply to all those guys even before the 53 is set up in, in September. So, you know, a lot of these guys, they need a lot of work and hopefully Moorhead and Sirianni will be able to, you know, help them evolve into guys who are, who are able to catch the ball and not being afraid of catching the ball and Mm -hmm. being, keep bringing their head down and when something bad happens. So. Yep. I'm I'm really looking forward to the wide receiver battles in training camp. And
1: well, I mean, hopefully that's a position that can finally start seeing some development a little bit. And Sirianni, obviously, I think believes that that he can can do a, do a lot of stuff get, uh, with this wide receiver with this wide receiver core. And they do have talent, man. It's just like you need that competitiveness and you need that you need that edge that I don't think that these players had last year. Like like especially, excuse me, especially J. Jaw. It's like he it's like he never really had that that edge to him where he seemed like he really wanted to to go out and dominate you saw last year travis folgan that looked like he had that to him when he when he came on to the eagles and had that crazy crazy four or five week stretch and i don't think you're going to have that problem with Devonta smith i think he's just a born natural natural difference maker and he's been that way his whole career he's he's played with phenomenal phenomenal talents you know he's played with Jalen wattle rugs and um, Judy all on the same team and he was always the number one guy so I don't care that all these other wide receivers were taken before him or you know even he's the third wide receiver taken I don't think it's going to matter I think he's better than all of them and it might be a bit of a hot take but I I, I might, it might not even be I think I think he's be, he's going to be better than all of those Alabama wide receivers that you know are taken I don't think those guys are bad players I think they're all going to be great but I I feel really good about about Devonta Smith being a a yearly one thousand yard, you know, ten touchdown type of receiver and just possibly, you know, even even more than that, just kind of dominating.
0: And all this that we've been talking about for the last few minutes, it's gonna come back to, it's gonna come back down to Jalen Hurts and Yeah. If he just needs to show he just needs to show the potential that he has. I think he has it. It's just whether it's a question of whether or not he's able to bring it out in the NFL. Like if he doesn't, he, he's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be on the roster in 2022. I think Eagles are going to, are going to either trade up in the draft because they have the ammunition to do that with the three first round picks or trade for a, trade for a veteran who's available on the market. So it all comes mm-hmm. back down to Jalen Hurts and, yeah, it's, I'm I'm interested to see what he's able to do as a QB one of the Eagles.
1: Yeah, and, and that's at least something to look forward to at this team. And I've said that next year is probably not going to be you know that great of a. It's probably not going to be a playoff push or anything next year, and and if it is, it, it all rests on Jalen Hurts. If they are going to make the playoffs, it's because I think he's going to be playing amazing. But if he plays poorly, also that also could mean they're six you know they're six win team again or not again, but they're going to, you know, be in that, in that range. So I just, I just, it, who knows what's going to happen really. It's, it's, it's really up in there. but I, I am interested to see him, who Jalen Hurts can be, what his ceiling is. And if he can, if he can take another step and, and really become that, that franchise quarterback, because he's got an opportunity. He's got his chance. He's got 16 games or 17 games actually, or more to showcase to the franchise, whether or not he's going to, you know, they they should commit to him or not. Because I'm just saying, man, if if he's even average, I don't think they're going to commit to him. I mean, he can't come out and just be okay and and just like up and down and, and inconsistent because they've got those three first round picks and they're not going to wait around. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I think he has to at least have a record of between like like six and eight wins. So. Mm-hmm like eight or nine or six and 11 or seven and what seven and 10 or something. It's weird. It's we're so we're, weird. It's, it's an added so game, like odd number.
1: But yeah, I'm not going to get used to it.
0: Yeah. He's, he's gotta have, he has to have a record somewhere in between. If he's like, if there are like five wins or four wins and he's mm-hmm. probably not going to be the starter, which may or
1: may not be fair to him. You know, yeah. QB wins is a whole conversation. I'm usually pushing up against it, but At the end of the day, Carson Wentz statistically was fantastic for three years, but all you ever heard of was he doesn't win. And I'm sorry, but if he, if he, if the Eagles were winning those 2017, 2018, 2019, they made the playoffs and made playoff pushes. And then Carson Wentz has this, and and Carson's producing, and Carson produced the same, and then has this horrible 2020. He's not gone. You know what I'm saying? Like he's still on the team. They're not going to trade him. So that's what I'm saying. We're like, the wins matter a lot to the team and Jalen Hurts can have statistically a good year. And if the Eagles aren't winning, you're right. I think, I think, the I think he's going to be on the, on a super hot seat there. And they're not going to wait around for a quarterback if that's the case. And he's going to have to win games and he's going to have to produce. And it's, it's probably not fair to ask for it, but you know, it, it wasn't fair to the last quarterback and it's not, it's rarely fair in the NFL whenever it comes to being a quarterback. So if Jalen Hurts doesn't come out and win, you know, it's gonna be the same shit that Carson Wentz heard. You don't win. It doesn't matter what your stats are. You, you know, you're you're six and you're six and seven or, or fucking six and seven. <laughs> you're, you know, you're six and eleven. It doesn't matter, man. You're you it doesn't it just it just doesn't matter unless you win.
0: Yeah, well, we'll leave it at that. We'll follow you guys. We'll come back to you guys next week. And also follow us on Twitter. My ad is at Big Twenty and Aaron. You give them your ad a
1: and palacios such as a um a and palacios five sorry it's a uh, a and p a l s c i o s um
0: at number five all right so we'll talk to you guys next week fly go fly